Welcome to the INS Infusion Room, a podcast of the Infusion Nurses Society. The Infusion Nurses Society is recognized as the global authority in infusion therapy and is devoted to setting the standard for infusion care. I'm Dawn Berendt, your podcast host and the Clinical Education and Publications Manager for INS. I'm really excited to share with you a number of things from INS today. First, and probably most obvious, is we've changed the name of our podcast. The INS Infusion Room podcast is a place where we will continue to talk about all things infusion, and we're adding a few new things as well. For example, the last segment of each show, we've added a Q&A section where Dear Ivy will address and answer your clinical questions. We're also going to use this platform to keep you updated on happenings in and around INS. For instance, IV Nurse Day is January 25th, and that is next Saturday. Every January 25th, infusion nurses and other healthcare professionals observe National IV Nurse Day. It was established in 1980. Um, when the U.S. House of Representatives designated this day to honor and recognize the accomplishments of the nation's infusion nurse specialists each year, as well as the Infusion Nurses Society. INS wants to acknowledge each of you for your dedication to this specialty and the great work that you do every day on behalf of your patients. We encourage you to take time to celebrate with your colleagues, have a potluck, have a party, or the celebration of your choosing, and please send us the photos. The next deadline for your calendar is the application for roundtable discussion leaders, and those applications are due February 3rd. The roundtable discussions will be conducted at our annual conference, INS 2020, on May 18th from 1230 to 1:30 in Las Vegas, Nevada. Now that sounds like fun right there. But here's how it works. Each roundtable discussion runs for 30 minutes, and the discussion leader will speak for about 10 to 15 minutes, and then uh, will engage the participants in a related discussion for the remainder of that half-hour session. Um, then we switch it up. We switch tables, and the presentation is then repeated by the discussion leader with a new group of attendees. Now, I have to tell you, the roundtables are so very popular. I'm going to ask you to please consider sharing your work with your colleagues at INS 2020. The next date to keep in mind is February 28th, and this is when the Gardner Foundation Scholarship applications are due. As an INS member, you are eligible to apply for scholarships that can help you earn your CRNI certification, attend an INS meeting, continue your education, or expand your knowledge of infusion therapy. Please don't let this opportunity pass you by. There are thousands of dollars worth of scholarships available. And you um, have received an email from INS. I believe it was sent on January 2nd, 2020. Um, check your email inbox for this important invitation. Again, February 28th is the due date for Gardner Foundation scholarship applications. Oh, my next topic has to do with CRNI certification. 
Now, some of our listeners have been considering CRNA certification for some time. I know because you visited with me about this, and I want to encourage you that 2020 is your year for certification. We invite you to visit the INCC certification tab on the new INS website, or you can go directly to incc1.org to learn what you can do to be ready for the CRNI exam in March or September of this year. And I would also encourage you to read the November-December issue of The Insider. There's an article in there entitled CRNI at the Core of the Credential. This article tells about the new CRNI exam and how a recent job analysis that was conducted helped redefine the role of the CRNI in the workplace. So please check out the website, consider your CRNI examination for March or September of this year. This is your year. And coming up next after the break, Marlene Steinheiser, the INS Director of Clinical Education, is going to join me and talk about fundamentals of infusion therapy. IV Nurse Day. Show appreciation for your profession, staff, colleagues, or friends with IV Nurse themed gifts and apparel. Check these out on the INS website at www.ins1.org. Okay, we're back. As I mentioned earlier, my guest today is Marlene Steinheiser, the INS Director of Clinical Education. Dr. Steinheiser serves as the lead nurse planner with the American Nurses Credentialing Center, ANCC, and works collaboratively with the National Council on Education to plan educational content for the INS conferences. She also oversees the clinical direction, content, and implementation of all educational offerings on the INS Learning Center and serves as a clinical liaison with other nursing and healthcare organizations. Dr. Steinheiser has more than 30 years of nursing experience in acute care, home infusion, home care, long-term care, education, and regulatory environments. She received her PhD at the University of Arizona with a research focus on compassion fatigue in nursing. Marlene, I want to welcome you. I am so happy to have this discussion with you. Well, thank you for having me, Don, and I'm you know, thrilled to share what we did over the last uh, year and a half or so to develop an uh, education program that we feel will be very helpful for our learners and our organizations that we um, serve. Absolutely. So Marlene, when you first started working at INS, I know that creating a fundamentals education program was one of your first goals. And I joined INS about six months later, and I began to work on that project with you. So let's tell our listeners about the origins of the fundamentals of infusion therapy. What was the impetus? And why did we feel like this educational content was so important? Well, Don, before I even started at INS and then um, definitely after I started, I received inquiries 
from various organizations and individuals that were looking to find resources from INS to provide basic infusion therapy education. And, you know, these were individuals that were entering um, the role of an infusion nurse. They were new to infusion nursing. They worked in various healthcare settings, you know, acute care, home infusion, ambulatory clinics. We also got inquiries from nursing schools um, and also organizations looking to educate not only new graduate nurses, but also to provide continuing education for their staff. And they were looking to do this in a cost-effective way. And so, you know, as I am started at INS and started working with INS, um, understanding the the needs um, amongst our organizations and individuals, it became a passion um, of mine and then yours as well when you joined for us to develop this program. So there definitely was a gap in education, um, a need um, to have a comprehensive program that would get nurses and clinicians started in infusion therapy. Yeah, that's correct, Don. There was definitely a gap that we identified. And not only was there a gap, but there the gap was um, consisting of difficulty in finding content that adhered to the INS standards of practice and having readily accessible content. Also, some of our um, organizations had mentioned when they had multiple educators, it was difficult to have that consistency in education because their instructors had varying levels of education and knowledge about infusion practice. And then additionally, uh, some of our organizations had mentioned that they had difficulty in having to repeat this education frequently. And so when they were trying to do this live in a classroom, it became, you know, really not cost-effective for them to continue to repeat that content. So cost and logistics um, became a challenge for instruction that was live. And then also finding online education that adhered to the standards of practice um, became a gap as well in education. Yes. So let's go back to the summer of 2018. It's funny, we're in 2020 now, and it sounds like we're talking about a long time ago, but it feels like just minutes ago when we began this work. But anyway, the two of us began to fashion an outline that sort of grew and grew and expanded. And I think by the time we finished, we had around 98 pages of outlined content. Mm -hmm. So we created a monster And um, then we had to figure out how we were going to trim that down. So let's talk now about how we took that content that we had identified um, and how we were going to use it to build the educational program. Well, you're right, Don. It does seem like a long time ago, but yet moments ago. And and we did um, develop quite a a large content, um, many pages of content. And really, I think we were anxious to get everything that really allow our learners to have all the information that we had available to them, but we needed to determine how to do that in a condensed and very um, logical fashion. So we based our content upon the standards of practice and the INS policies and procedures, and then really had to really hone in. I remember we were trying to determine what would we want a new clinician in infusion therapy to know about infusion therapy. What would be the basic information that we would feel comfortable having that individual be knowledgeable of and implement into practice? And so we looked at infection prevention, vascular access device selection, short peripheral catheter insertion, vascular access device care and maintenance, infusion administration, 
recognizing and managing complications and removal of the vascular access devices. And so having those key categories, we felt that our the clinicians that completed this program would have the basic infusion therapy knowledge necessary to provide safe practice. So, you know, it was difficult. It was hard to really get that content narrowed down and feel confident in what we were providing, but we did it. I remember negotiating with you um, over uh, different aspects of care, like um, how far do we go um, discussing CVAD care and maintenance? Uh, what about ports? Does 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 work with an infusion port fit in fundamentals? So um, our learners are going to be interested to know um, where we landed on some of those things while keeping it fundamental and yet really suitable to give someone everything they need to begin their practice. Right. And, you know, also really trying, I remember we we really had a, a lot of discussions surrounding how can we make this, this method of delivery, how can we make the methods of delivery of this content meaningful for our learners and incorporating real-life scenarios that we included not only acute care settings, but home infusion and outpatient settings and even skilled nursing facility settings into these real-life scenarios in the content so that it was relevant to all learners and for all learners to understand different practice settings. And then I remember we also wanted to make sure that we included not only scenarios about adult patients, but also pediatric and older adults and special populations. So really um, honing this information in not only for different care settings, but for different patient populations was part of our goal. And um, I, I believe we accomplished that quite well. Mm-hmm. That's one of my favorite aspects of the whole program is the inclusiveness of the types of populations that are presented in the real life scenarios. And even though you and I... Um, we really have a steady diet of all things infusion, and it um, is everything that we like to do. Um, we certainly understand that this content can be um, dry sometimes, and it can be mm-hmm. overwhelming sometimes. And bringing it to a format um, that is very palatable and it meets the learner's needs was really important to us as well. So yeah, very much so. Let's let's move ahead now. Let's talk about present day. Talk about the completed fundamentals of infusion therapy program. Uh, what can learners expect when using this educational offering? Well, I'd like to also preface this answer with um, information about you know why we developed it the way we did, and and both of us have been in the position of being the individual learning as well as being the educator and understanding that just as you mentioned, sometimes the content can be dry. And if you don't have engaged um, learners, they're really not going to take that information away and be able to carry it into practice. And so that was one of our passions with this program was really implementing a program that would be interactive and that would really enhance learners' opportunities to retain the knowledge. And so this program is virtual, and it's meaning it's web-based, and it allows anytime access from anywhere so that it provides flexibility and eliminates any of those scheduling conflicts that I discussed earlier when the organizations were mentioning the difficulty they had with implementing education. Also, the fact that we have motion graphics and video demonstrations. We have video demonstrations of best practice, but we also have those nice teachable moments where, you know, as experienced educators in infusion therapy, we kind of looked at what are the most common um, 
areas of teachable moments that we have seen in practice, areas where nurses may deviate from standard of care that we want to make sure that we educate. And I, I think there were times where we, you know, looked at these scenarios and said, wow, we've seen this how many times during our practice and we want to make sure that we educate new graduates or new, you know, students or anyone new to infusion therapy how to avoid these possible common errors in practice. And so these real-life patient scenarios also that we developed really help bring all of that information home for the learners to apply what they've learned in these modules and implement them into case scenarios. So I think those, you know, components are are pretty valuable um, for learning experiences. Mm-hmm. Marlene, I'm thinking back um, when we were um, reviewing the video clips and the portions that we we filmed. And I remember sitting in a room where um, people were watching this with us and a nurse is at the bedside in the video and her phone rings and she pops out her phone mm-hmm. while she was in the middle of a dressing change or preparing a patient's IV site. It was, it was, um, I, it was just funny to hear the comments in the room where everybody, they kind of laughed at first and then they said, oh yeah. That happens all the time. And mm-hmm. we were concerned about infection control and um, the stuff that rides along with our devices that we have in our pockets and how um, just something simple like hand washing and, and maintaining aseptic technique can be so easily broken or changed uh, by a common everyday practice that we don't really even think about. So um, that was one of the the take-homes that I had where we're putting in things that are very familiar, but then we also want to show um, learners the sequelae of events that happen after that touch contamination. You know, when you you mentioned that um, scenario with the cell phone, I was thinking of that as I was mentioning those teachable moments and these common, you know, easily... um, uh, deviations from our standard of practice and how easily they can occur. And not only with new graduates or new nurses, but with experienced nurses. And, you know, sometimes we just forget. And so I think it, it really, um, you know, brings it home when we see these real life scenarios happen in our videos. And then we took that information and we applied it, as you mentioned, to, okay, what happens now with this patient? Because we had a, a break in our infection prevention practices. And so I, I think those types of scenarios and what we used with the application questions really brings that home. I also think, too, when we added the audio scenarios where we demonstrated a a clinician speaking with a patient and doing an assessment and interaction provides great role modeling. And I think that was important as well to have in the the content. And this helps our learners build their confidence that, you know, as they're learning, they are uh, they are learning consistent with the INS standards of practice. And when it comes to organizations that are concerned about having that consistency with multiple educators, we've got that covered in this program. So yes. I'm really excited about the work that we completed. Mm-hmm. And anytime that we can standardize a process, we know that we are making great gains because standardization is often the key to compliance and it works for the same way. It applies to educators the same way. It is very hard to get many educators to um, speak the same thing. And this program kind of does that for them. Right. Very much so. Yeah. 
So, you know, having talked about all of that, we, we've talked about all the many uh, components of the program and the fact that it's, um, we, you know, we have uh, many modalities of teaching that keeps the learner engaged, um, but also provides really important content. What we can truly say is that the fundamentals of infusion therapy or FIT program, we like to call it a FIT program, um, acronyms are great, um, but it really is a state-of-the-art design that incorporates educational technologies, and those technologies were supplied by Allencom. It's uh, Allencom is a corporate training and e-learning company, so we incorporated those technologies with the infusion therapy content that's developed by the Infusion Nurses Society, and we think that we've created a program that has great applicability for use. And we'd also like to mention here that funding for the FIT program was provided by BD. And Marlene, I know that you would say this as well, but we had such a great opportunity to work with artists and clinicians from Allencom and BD who collaborated with INS on the final product. And as I mentioned, we really think we have a program that has great applicability for use. And I'm going to ask you to talk about that next. Sure. Um, uh, so I'd like to echo, I, I, you know, really, we enjoyed working with our clinicians and collaborators at BD and Allencom, and it was a, a uh, long and very um, challenging process, but it was also so rewarding to work with such a great group. And the end product is very beneficial in the fact that it, as I mentioned, is a flexible format and individuals can be assigned this learning and it can be self-paced or it could even be used in a classroom setting and used with either nursing students or licensed clinicians. Really, Don, it's meant for any individual that wants to become more confident in fundamentally practicing safe infusion therapy. And at the end of the program, after they complete all the modules, they are awarded five contact hours of continuing education. So it not only is beneficial for those um, student nurses, but also any clinician that wishes to enhance their knowledge of infusion therapy. Thank you, Marlene. So all we need to do now is tell our listeners how they might access the program and where or how the program is available. Sure. So it's available not only for individuals, but for group purchasing. And it can be accessed on the INS website at www.ins1.org. And that's the number one under the INS Learning Center. And so there is, as I mentioned, individual member pricing for members of INS as well as non-member pricing. But organizations can also purchase the program by contacting INS for group purchasing. So the purchasing price that you may see on um, the line for individual learners would be different for the group purchasing. So we hope that you take a look at the program. There's a short video that's available as well as more information that we described in the content section, and you'll be able to see all of this information in the Learning Center. So we hope that you um, take a look at the program. Thank you, Marlene. And I want to thank you again for being my guest today on the Infusion Room, the podcast of the Infusion Nursing Society. It has been my pleasure to work with you on this project, and congratulations on a job well done. Coming up after the break, we'll hear from Dear Ivy, a clinical nurse specialist who's going to answer your clinical infusion questions. Stay tuned.
Registration for INS 2020 is now open. Investing in your future is always a safe bet, and INS is making it easier this year in Las Vegas. Not only will the educational opportunities be fresh, innovative, and fun, but the venue will offer endless attractions and discounts to help you stretch the most out of your stay. INS has put together four days of education, networking, and an exhibition hall that is filled with the best in the industry. There are special savings for INS attendees, including free tickets to the High Roller, 25% off all food and beverages at the Rio Hotel and Resort, and 10% off at the Rio's Spa. Join us at INS 2020. See you in Las Vegas. Dear Ivy, does INS recommend a chest x-ray be performed to verify tip location on any central lines present on hospital admission? Dear Ivy recognizes the confusion surrounding this concern. Now, when a patient is admitted with an existing central vascular access device, or CVAD, the issue is the possibility of catheter tip malposition. So there are some organizations, some healthcare settings that have a mandate or a policy that's set up that said whenever we get a patient where we don't have documentation about that CVAD placement, uh, we must do an x-ray upon admission to verify tip placement and, and to detect malposition of that catheter tip. The problem is, though, is that malposition can be sporadic intermittent and unpredictable. If you have no retrievable confirmation of the original tip position, it is wise to get a chest x-ray to confirm tip location, but it is not a requirement from any regulatory organization. You will need to have a plan of care if the tip is found to be in a suboptimal location. And also, and this is most important, Clinicians caring for patients with all CVADs must know the signs and symptoms of tip malposition so that they can take immediate action regardless of whether this is on admission or during the hospitalization. We know that x-ray on admission is only going to tell you where the tip location is at that moment, but that can change at any time during the length of the catheter use or the catheter duration. So Dear Ivy is going to refer you to the INS 2016 Standards of Practice, Standard 53, Central Vascular Access Device, CVAD, Malposition. Thank you so much for your question. This concludes this episode of INS Infusion Room, a podcast of the Infusion Nurses Society. We welcome your comments. You can reach us at infusionroom at ins1.org. That's infusionroom at ins1.org. Thank you for listening.